0: Well, good morning, Mosaic. If we haven't met before, my name is Bill. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. This year for you, year of what? Say it out loud. What is it? Content? Back to college? Is it content or was it? Okay, all right. I, I don't understand that, but okay. Year of content. Maybe lots of information. What else? Losing weight. Losing weight. There we go. Simplify. Simplify. All right. What else? Joy, nice. What else? Change. Anything else? Year of what? Adventure. Oh, I like that one. Year of adventure. How many of you would have said 2016 was a fast year by a show of hands? A few of us, quite a few of us. I feel like, you know, 2016 went really, really fast for me. My whole life... I feel like as I get older, every year it gets faster and faster and faster. I remember being a freshman in college, and I went away to college. I didn't know anyone, and I can remember feeling so nervous stepping into the dorm, not knowing a person, and before I knew it, I was leaving, and I was gone that summer. And I was like, wow, that went fast, and then before I knew it, I was graduating, getting married, and it just seems like life begins to snowball and get faster and faster and faster and faster, uh, but in the midst of that, I feel like for me, and like what I said, I want this year for me to be a year of being more present. A year of presence. Because my son, uh, it's so funny because Nicole, our, uh, ever since our son Manny was born, she was always like, stop growing up, Manny. Just stop it. Uh, and I've always liked it because I love seeing him grow. I love seeing him get smarter. Uh, but right now, he's kind of at this sweet spot. Where he's, uh, he, he's smart enough to have a semi-intelligent conversation with but he's still endlessly curious. Uh, And he's big enough where if I'm kind of crouched down and he runs at me full speed, he'll knock me over. You know, he'll be a linebacker someday. That's my thing. Or a ballerina, one of those two things. I don't know. Um, uh, If you know Manny, you'll know it's true. Uh, uh, But he's still small enough for when he falls asleep in the car, I get to pick him up and he kind of cuddles in and get to take him into his room and put him in his bed. Um, But now he's on a bunk bed, so now it's kind of like trying to get over the bunk bed, which is a little tricky, and I love it. And so for the first time in my life, I'm like, stop. Just stop growing up. I want to freeze time. I want to freeze this moment. I want it to be like this forever um, because it's so good. But I feel like even as I say that, I'm wanting the wrong thing. I'm wanting the wrong thing. I feel like what's more of an appropriate thing for me to want is how can I be more present in the midst of change? Because change and growth is inevitable, but how can I be more present in the midst of that? And I wonder for us today, like, how can we be more present? How can we be more present in our lives? We be more present in our jobs, more present in our rest, more present with our families, more present with our friends, more present with our next-door neighbors, how can we actually live a life that's more here? Because let's be honest, uh, life seems to move very quickly. We are very distracted, and as, as technology grows, it's just going to continue to help us feel more distracted uh, and, and, and allow time to just move that much quicker. So this is hard, being more present Uh, And so we're in week seven of our series called Seven Hebrew Words. This is our last week, our culminating week. And this word that I want to share with you today has everything to do about being here. Here I am. It's this Hebrew word, hineni. And the Hebrew word hineni uh, translates literally to here I am. Here I am. And it's a really, really profound word because it only shows up in the Old Testament eight times. Eight times, but every time it shows up, God does something significant in someone's life, something huge in someone's life. And so we find this word when Moses, uh, he sees this burning bush and the burning bush calls out, uh, the burning bush says, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, Hineni, here I am. And then God asks him to go back to Egypt, where he ran away from, go back to Egypt and free the slaves. There's another time this word is used, Uh, in the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah uh, hears from God and God says to him, he says, who can I send to give this message to my people? And we have to understand this message was hard. The message that he's actually going to give Isaiah is one that is, you're going to go off into exile Israel and it's your own fault because you messed up. So this is the message that Isaiah needs to bring to his people and God says, who can I send to bring this message? And Isaiah says, Hanani, here I am, God. Send me. Send me. And the story that we're going to focus around today is the story of Abraham. Uh, and when Abraham says the word Hanani, it's the first time it's ever used in the Bible. And it comes at a pretty significant part of Abraham's life. Um, so I want, to sh- I want to share the story of Abraham today with us. Um, but before I do, I, what we have to understand about this word Hanani is that when we are present... I would argue that's actually the only, job, the only time that God can do something significant in our lives. Because when we're busy, and when we're rushed, and when we're moving very, very, very quickly, that's not when profound moments happen in our life. The most profound moments will happen in your life when you slow down enough to say, God, here I am. Or even in your life, if you just say, here I am, I'm here and that is when I know in my life I've experienced the most profound things. And so as we look at the story of Abraham and the significant things that has, has to happen in his life, what we need to remember is that we are moving very quickly, but when we pause and we say, here I am, that's when God can do some of the most significant work in our lives. So to understand the story of Abraham, we kind of need to understand the backstory. Uh, the story of Abraham shows up in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12 is the start of Abraham's story. Now, Genesis chapter 1 is God creates everything good. Genesis 2 through 11 is we screw it up. Sin enters into the world and the world is spiraling out of control. What is God going to do about it? That should be the question you're asking yourself as you read the book of Genesis. It's spiraling out of control. What is God going to do about it? Genesis 12. God calls out to this man, Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I want you to leave your land and I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you. And then he gives him four promises. He says, I will give you a land. You will become a great nation. I will make your name great. And I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to the world. In fact, he says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, in you all the families of earth will be blessed. (laughs) Through you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. What we have to understand about the entire Bible, right, has this overarching narrative over it right here, that God's plan to rescue and bless his rebellious world is through Abraham and through what he's going to do through Abraham's family. Uh, And so this is Abraham's call. And so Abraham says, yeah, okay, I'll go. So Abraham goes and he ends up in the land called Canaan, which is modern day Israel And so in that land, God makes him a promise, and God says, to your offspring, I will give this land. To your offspring, I'm going to give this land. But there's a problem. The problem is Abraham and his wife Sarah can't have kids. They can't have kids, and so uh, how is this promise going to be fulfilled? And that's the question you're kind of asking yourself throughout this story, because if you can't have kids, where's the offspring going to come from? And what we also have to kind of understand about the Abraham story is Abraham is just a guy. I think sometimes when we read this story, we see it as he's a saint, but he's not. Especially if you know the story. Uh, twice he ends up giving his wife away to another man because he's scared for his own life. Uh, it says, it, he literally says, you're really attractive and they're going to kill me and take you from me. So just, just go. Uh, so twice this happens and God has to rescue him. Uh, And then on top of this, God makes him this promise to your offspring, I will give you this land. But Abraham and Sarah, they can't have kids. And so in that culture, in that day, if a couple couldn't have kids, they would have kids through one of their servants. And so Sarah says, take my servant Hagar and and impregnate her. And he does. And she bears a child and his name is Ishmael. But then God shows up because Ishmael, we have to understand is a legitimate heir. He could apply to this. But God shows up and he says, no, I'm doing something bigger. You're doing this on your own effort, but I'm going to do something so much more profound in this story. And so God shows up and he says, he says, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. I like the sign Abraham fell face down and he laughed and he said to himself will a son be born to a man a hundred years old will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90 and Abraham said to God if only Ishmael might live under your blessing then God said yes but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac and the name Isaac means he laughs see God does have a sense of humor right (laughs) you laugh at me okay well David said he laughs then uh, because God, what he's doing in this moment, he's, he's trying to teach Abraham, look, I bring life out of barren situations. Not only is your wife barren, but she's also past the age of, uh, of bearing children. She's an old woman. She's 90 years old. He's like, I'm going to do something amazing because I bring life where there is death. And I want you to know this, Abraham, because it's going to have everything to do for the rest of your life. It's going to have everything to do with our story. That God brings life out of barren situations. And that's what he's trying to teach Abraham here. And so he says, I'm going to give you a son through Sarah. And that's exactly what happens. Sarah gets pregnant and she gives birth to Isaac. And then for us reading this story, if you read this story, it's this moment where you're like, yes, he has the promised son. And now this is the heir. This is the heir that gets to continue the promise. That promise that someday they will have a land. They will become a nation Uh, God will make their name great, and they will bless the whole world. This people, this group. God confirms that eventually with Moses, and he says, you will be a kingdom of priests, that you will be a nation that shows the world what God is like. And so Isaac is born, and then God does something drastic and a little bit weird at the end of Abraham's story is he tests Abraham. He tests Abraham's faith. Because Abraham's whole life, he has his promises over him, but he's still scared. He's scared because uh, something might happen to me, and he's been doing things his own way. But God, he sends this test at the end of Abraham's life where will Abraham, will he pass on this faith and obedience to God, to his son, or will he continue to do things the way that he thinks that they should be done? And so God tests Abraham's faith. And it's found in Genesis chapter 22. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, and here's that word, Hanani, Abraham replied. Hanani, here I am. We have to realize that Abraham in this moment, he's fully present. He's fully aware of what God is going to say. And he's in this moment. And what God says to him, take your son, your only son, who you love, Isaac, and go to the region of moriah sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain i will show you on a mountain i will show you and this is the point of the story where we should realize this doesn't make any sense this doesn't make any sense because why would god do this like the whole the whole story has culminated to this moment where he's trying to tell abraham it's not ishmael right you're going to have this promised son and then he finally gets his promised son isaac he's the one. And then God says, kill the one. And so we have this, we, we have this dilemma because we have two things from God that seem to be in opposition of each other. Because he's the one, kill the one. Like what's going on here, right? We, we should question this. We should really put ourselves in, in the shoes of Abraham and say, this doesn't make sense right now. This doesn't make sense. But what God is doing in this moment is Abraham's whole life, he was trying to do things his own way. And now God is saying, you're saying Hanani. You're saying here I am. But are you here? Are you here? Do you truly have a posture of faith and obedience? And will you trust me even if it doesn't make perfect sense? And so then it goes on to say, down in verse 9, it says, when they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him there on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay him. To slay him. So we're fully in the place now. This doesn't make sense. What is Abraham doing? But I love what the writer of Hebrews, he's reflecting on this moment. He's reflecting on this moment and what he says is, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be blessed. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. See, where is this writer from Hebrews getting this from? Is he just taking a stab in the dark? No, because he's reflecting on the entire story. That if God can bring life out of barren situations, then God can bring life out of death. And so Abraham in this place, he is so faithful, he is so obedient at this moment, at the end of his life that he trusts even if God is asking me to do something that seems in conflict with itself or even seems a little crazy, I have to trust that God is good and I have to trust that God is going to bring this kid back to life if he's asking me to do this. So it's this profound moment in Abraham's life for the first time, he's hineni, he's here I am, I'm here, I'm present and God, I, I, I will do anything. And so then what, got, what happens in the story is he's ready to slay his son. And then all of a sudden it says, an angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, Hanani, he replied. Because even in this moment, you know, he's standing over his son and you can almost hear the sigh of relief in this moment, like, here I am, okay, like, thank you, Jesus, right? Even though he probably wouldn't have said Jesus, but, uh, you know, thank you, Jesus, Like, okay, something's going to change. Something's going to happen. Hanani, I'm here. I'm here, right? Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. you have obeyed me, that all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. See, what, the, what this story tells us is that God's plan to bless and rescue this world that is spiraling out of control is faith and obedience to him, even if the circumstances don't make perfect sense. So then for you, what in your life is God calling you to? Maybe it doesn't make perfect sense, Maybe you're kind of asking yourself, I'm not sure if this is the right thing. I feel like maybe I'm sitting in this area of conflict, but where is God calling you in your life to be more hineni, to say, here I am. I'm fully ready. I'm fully ready to take a big risk, to make some big changes, or I'm fully ready to just stay with what you have called me to do and be faithful and obedient to that? What is that thing that is just stirring in your soul here and now? Uh, For Mosaic, we're in one of these moments right now where we're saying, here we are, God. It's one of those moments that may not make perfect sense, but if we are truly faithful and obedient, uh, I truly believe that we are going to come out and we're going to see God do amazing, profound things in our community because of it. Uh, and Aaron's going to share kind of what's going on with that. So can you give him a little clap as he comes up? Oh, come on, bigger than that, bigger than that.
1: Oh, well, thanks for that. <laughs> uh, when Bill told me that we were talking about this this week, um, I got excited, and, and it felt if maybe maybe even a little, a little providential. Whether, whether you realize it or not, uh, the story of the Mosaic uh, is a Hanani story. Um, eight years ago, uh, Megan and I were living in L.A., and I was, I was training and testing to be a firefighter, and my plan for my life was to be a firefighter in L.A. and to plant churches all over L.A. County. Uh, and then uh, I went to the first Catalyst West Coast Conference, and God blew me up. Um, God showed up and messed me up in a pretty profound way, and by the end of that weekend, I was convinced uh, that our, our Lincoln uh, chapter of our story was not over. And that we needed to come back and to start this. And this this story and this mosaic. I mean, it, it's not just it's not just us saying it. I mean, it is the culmination of many, many, many people saying, "Here I am, here I am, here I am." Uh, and it's been it's we're we're part of something pretty pretty incredible. And as we were as we were praying about all the things that need to take place to move back and to birth this thing. Uh, we were really inspired by our pastor's story at that time, Erwin uh, McManus, uh, when he took over what is now Mosaic LA. Uh, it was an uh, old Southern Baptist church, called, they called it the Church on Brady. And the senior pastor, uh, shortly after Irwin showed up, said, God has told me that you're the guy that's going to take over for me someday. And Irwin said, no, <laughs> no, no, I am not that guy. You're mistaken, you need to ask him again. Uh, but he just kept saying it, you're the guy that's supposed to take over for me someday. And part of, the, part of the history of this church is when a senior pastor was commissioned, the next senior pastor. He would commit a period of time to that church, and the church was 100 years old, and they had had four senior pastors. <laughs> so if you do the math, uh, the, the expectation level was very high. And so the night came that they commissioned Irwin, and he kind of forgot about that, hadn't really prayed about it, hadn't talked to his wife about it, and he thought, man, ten year, they're not going to accept 10 years, but 20 years feels like a lifetime, so... So 15 years is what he committed. And I remember him telling us this story because shortly thereafter, uh, things got really ugly. And the senior pastor decided he actually didn't want to hand it off, but he was committed at that point. So he stayed on the board, and he appointed a couple new board members that would side with him, and they just about split the church down down the middle. And I remember Irwin saying, you know, had I not committed that period of time to this church, uh, I would have bailed in those first two years. And now, they, if you know Mosaic LA at all, they've reached hundreds of thousands of people uh, over the last 20 years that everyone's been there. But we were really inspired by that story. And so we decided we were going to pray and fast about committing a, a period of time to, to this work. And so Megan and I kind of went our, our ways and we prayed and fasted and came back together later. And, and I remember asking, you know, did God give you anything? You know, is there any leading? Uh, what'd you get? And she said, seven years. Uh, seven years, which was the same number he had given me, seven years, good biblical number, you knew it was going to be 3, 7, 12, or 40, uh, we got seven, you know, and, and the truth is those seven years, uh, that seven years is going to be this spring, and about a year and a half ago, uh, Megan said something that shook me up quite a bit, and if you know anything about Megan and I, she's the spiritually tuned in one, uh, I catch up much later, and then she gets to say, I told you so, again. Um, and she said, you know, you and I know that there's a transition somewhere somewhere out there, and you always talk about it like it's so far down the road, like you can't even see it. It's so far down there. She said, I think it's a lot sooner than you think. And I remember that really ticked me off because <laughs> I did not want to hear that. I did not want to believe that. But over the last several months, increasingly so, uh, God has kind of brought me up to Megan's speed. And uh, has really just convinced us that, that it is time, that the time is coming soon. Uh, and the thing is, you know, for us, as, as we've just sought God on this, the biggest thing for us is uh, we, are, we are church planters. So the thing that keeps me up at night is the same thing that brought us to Lincoln, and that is that there are cities and people that do not have access to communities like this, that do not have access to safe Communities that are gospel-centered and are covered in grace, kingdom-minded, missionally-oriented communities. There are areas of our country in <laughs> 2016, believe it or not, where this this does not exist. And I'm not okay with that. And uh, and God has wired us to do that. And the truth is, uh, we're church planters, and, and Mosaic is not a church plant anymore. And it's been really interesting as we've, and you shared this with some of the, the leaders and sat down with the directional team. Um, every single one of them, I sat down with them one-on-one. said, oh, we know. Uh, we know. We've been talking about it for two years. You're a church planner, uh, and you need, to, you need to be faithful to that. And so we kind of, we told the volunteer staff um, Friday night, uh, and there were lots and lots of tears. This is the first time I've talked about it and not cried I think it's because I am emotionally hung over. I am so uh, cried out. I don't have any tears left. Uh, but I am happy to report that uh, we're not leaving because I stole money, <laughs> and I did not sleep with the secretary, uh, which would be Evan. Um, and that'd be awkward. I don't roll like that. But we wanted to invite you guys in into the process and it's funny, you know, as, we've, as I've talked to mentors who are, are denominational leaders and stuff, they're, they're, some of them have counseled me, the way you do it, Aaron, is you keep it under wraps, you figure out all the pieces that need to move and where they're going, then you tell your church 30 days out, two weeks out, and you're gone. Uh, and something about that did not sit right with us at all. Because uh, this is not a job for us. This is, this is a calling, and this is our family. Um, and so we wanted to invite you guys into that. And just so you know, uh, we're, not, we're not leaving soon. Um, we're going we're gonna to work our butts off to help Mosaic transition as well as possible and to find the next lead pastor for Mosaic. And so we've begun that process. And truthfully, selfishly, I'm hoping that takes a while because <laughs> uh, there's a big part of us that does not want to leave. But we also know that to stay, um, to reject and say no, um, to God's calling on our life, the way that he's wired us and gifted us would be uh, disobedient. So, so we're in one of those seasons as a family um, and as a church family uh, where God is sounding the call again and, and we're saying, he? uh, here, here I am.
0: Yeah, and so, you know, I, I know Aaron well. We've been friends for a long time and I remember it was about two years ago Uh, when Aaron went on a three-month sabbatical, and him coming back, uh, I remember thinking, that was the time where I was like, oh, okay. Transition is coming at some point. We weren't sure when. So when he he finally told me a few months ago, I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we know that. Because if you know Aaron, uh, he, Aaron is like the Apostle Paul. Like, where he is at his best is planting churches and overseeing uh, church planters and pastors, A few months ago, we got to go up to the Twin Cities. Uh, It was an EFCA uh, conference for pastors. And it it was just so interesting because I'm sitting in the room, and I didn't know anyone, but all all these people were going to Aaron for advice or counseling or encouragement or support in some way or another. And Aaron was just more alive than I've ever seen him before. And it was in that moment, I was like, this is what he needs to do. And I remember coming back, driving back to Lincoln. I was like, that's what you need to do. That is what the kingdom needs you to do. And so, like, for our heartbeat as a church, it would be selfish for us to say, no, you just need to stay. (laughs) You just need to stay and do this thing. For us, like, our Hanani moment is saying we are going to equip Megan and Aaron to to go and do what God is calling them to do for the kingdom um, so that we can create more uh, communities like this, just like Mosaic, communities that are full of grace and love, communities that people feel safe to come here, where they can encounter Jesus, but then they can also, with groups of people, together, love and serve and bless the city and the world that we live in. And so like Aaron said, he's going to be present, he's going to be around. He's doing a series on Revelation next week, which I'm a little nervous about now, now that you're leaving. The filter's (laughs) going to be God. I'm like, oh boy. (laughs) But he's going to be here. You know, and so this transition, you know, what we're thinking as a directional team is, is probably going to happen sometime during the summer. Makes the most sense um, for kids who are, whatever lead guy comes in and Aaron and Megan transitioning out. They're really praying about the Twin Cities in Minneapolis right now. Um, and so for us, it's joining them in prayer, it's joining them in support, joining them in love um, that we can just see them go. Uh, but then for us, it's like, what's our hineni moment? It's us saying, here I am, God. Because we recognize the church is not a person. Like the church is the people. The church is not a building. The church is us, right? And so when we truly believe that, we believe that, that us sending a part of our body is just, it's something so profound and significant. And yeah, like we mourn that and we lost that. You know, but the vision of Mosaic from day one is that that we are like a mosaic piece of art, that we're all all unique, we're all broken, we're all fragmented in one way or another. But when we come together and God's light shines through us, we become a beautiful mosaic. And mosaic is not one, mosaic is many small pieces that make the whole. And Aaron and Megan, they're just a couple small pieces to that. They've been significant, of course, because that Hineni moment that God placed inside of them eight years ago at Catalyst West Coast has come to this moment, uh, and so for us, you know, it feels a lot like the story of Abraham, right? It feels like something in conflict. We're in conflict because we're like, this stinks, this stinks. But if we truly have this heart of Hineni, here we are, God. I know, I know what we're going to see is mosaic is going to thrive. And Aaron and Megan are going to thrive. Because you know what happens when bad leaders leave? Whatever they were doing crumbles. You know what happens when good leaders leave? That thrives. And Aaron is a good leader. And Aaron has led uh, the leaders here very well. And Aaron has uh, created this culture that is going to continue even when he's not here. And so we mourn that loss. But for us as a church, it's time to get real. It's time for us. This is a season that we're not going to retreat. No, we're going to step forward. We're not going to dissolve anything. No, we're going to step up our game. And we're going to say, God, here we are. Here we are. It's time for us to take this to the next level, to support these guys, send them out well. And then for us, say, God, what do you have next for us? Right? It's like we're like Moses standing in front of that burning bush. Okay. Okay. This is going to be hard, but we're ready. We're ready. And so we mourn you guys leaving so much. But we're excited for you. And I'm excited for Mosaic. Would you guys pray with me? God, I pray for your spirit to become very present in this moment. And that you will speak in an extremely profound way in every single one of our lives. Where do you need us to be more present? God, I pray for those Hanani moments happening right now. That God, we will hear your voice and that we will have the courage to say, yes, here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am. And so, if God is doing something in your heart or in your soul, or if you're sitting there saying, Yeah, it's time for me to step up and say, Here I am, God, would you just whisper that where you're sitting? Just whisper, Here I am. Here I am. God, we are so thankful that eight years ago you gave Aaron a profound vision for what a church could look like in Lincoln, Nebraska. This community of love and grace where all are welcome and then you get to change so many lives because of that calling, because of the initial launch team, because of everyone who's invested over the six years that Mosaic has been here in Lincoln. And God, we say, Hanani, here we are. And we're going to be present and we're going to continue to invest. And we're going to be present in the lives of Aaron and Megan as we see them go do it again. And we mourn, but God, I I pray that we are excited for them. And God, it doesn't make sense in our own minds, but it makes sense in your kingdom makes perfect sense in your kingdom. Because God, your kingdom, it, it doesn't work the way that we work. It doesn't work the way that the world works. And so God, I pray a calling to faith, supernatural faith in all of our lives, that we know that you got this, that we know that you are in control and we are not. And then we pray for a heart of supernatural obedience, that when we hear your voice, all those unique ways you are speaking in this room right now, that we will have the courage to say yes. Say yes. To your name in Jesus we pray. Amen.